Welcome to Book Banter with me, your host, Diane Burkhardt. I hope you will join me every Wednesday as we explore all things to do with, well, <laughs> books. Let's get on with our show today. Hello, my happy people. Today is February 8th, 2023. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have got a great show for you. I'm going to be joined later by Leroy A. Peters, a historical fiction Western author who has got a fantastic catalog of books that you are going to want to check out. And in fact, his new book is going to be dropping sometime this week or next week, I believe. You will want to check it out. His series is fantastic. And of course, as always, I will have links in the podcast description so you will be able to easily find all of his information online. But before we get to the interview, I do want to give listeners a bit of a trigger warning. We are talking about historical fiction books, and in these particular books, there is some violence. They are historically accurate, and there is one mention of violence against women, and there is a word that I bleep out. I had to censor it because I found out that there are a few platforms that might actually block the broadcast of this podcast based on that one word. You will be able to understand perfectly from the context what the word was that was bleeped out. But to make sure that this podcast does air everywhere, I did decide to go ahead and bleep out this one word. So that's not a technical issue that was on purpose. But I hope you understand I did this just to make sure that this broadcast does end up being put on all of the platforms. I didn't want any place to censor it and not carry the show today. But if you are a fan of historically accurate Westerns, you are going to love my guest today. Leroy A. Peters has a fantastic following. You will want to join them. So let's not waste any more time. Please welcome Leroy A. Peters to Book Banter. You and I have been friends on Facebook. Do you remember how it was that we met in a, a Facebook group? Honestly, I do not. <laughs> I'm not too sure if I'm proud of this moment or not. It definitely shows that I was very bored that day. You came into the group and you were posting about a new book that you had just released. And I really did not like the ad that you had posted. Why? I, I think the pictures were like a little bit blurry and they were like off center. And so I had taken all of your information and redid the ad for you and sent it to you. Now I remember you. I appreciate that. That really helped. But at the same time, that takes a lot of nerve in that moment. It's like, I think I should be embarrassed about that. No, you, you really helped me. Thank you. I'm glad it helped. But it's one of those things where whenever I tell people that story, they're just like, okay, wow. <laughs> but I really liked your books and I liked your covers. And I thought, oh man, that's so sad. I really think that this should get more attention for you. And that's one of the basic reasons why I did that. Because <laughs> I really just thought your books deserve more attention. Thank you. Have you bought any of them? I have bought, oh, I'm going to forget the name of it. Chosen, Chosen Path. That's the first one I've written. Yeah. And that one I bought, but I haven't read it yet. I haven't read anything for fun in so long and I really need to sit down and do that. That's probably what I'm going to do this weekend. Cause I'm just, I'm dying to just read a book for the fun of it. seems like everything yeah. I read is for research. Yeah. Before I write or while I write my books, I try to research cause my books, even though they're fiction, they're historical fiction, mm -hmm. I try to be as historically accurate as possible. Yeah. 
one of the negative reviews I've gotten on my book is that I'm too politically correct. Well, thing is, you know, my main characters are white. Mm-hmm. It's not told from a white man's point of view. It's told from the native point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, they saw things. Also, as a black man, in my last book in the saga of the Armstrong Brothers series, I introduced a new character who's a runaway slave and the brothers help free him. Mm-hmm. And ironically, this former slave owners want revenge because of it. And those are topics that you do have to write carefully nowadays. Well, yeah, but at the same time, I try to write from what I believe in from the heart. Mm-hmm. Because I learned a long time ago, you're not going to please everybody. Oh, yeah. If you try to please everybody, you're never going to be successful. True. That's actually been a big theme in a lot of my podcasts with especially indie authors, because so many people feel very free to comment however they feel on social media, especially indie authors who don't have a big firm like Ingram or any of the big publishing houses. They don't have those services behind them to help promote their books. It's it's a big deal. You have to kind of like walk a tightrope sometimes. Yeah, I hear you. But good news is I get more positive reviews than I get negative. You know, the negative reviews sometimes do get to me. Mm-hmm. I try to focus on the positive reviews and it's the positive reviews that make me keep going. You know, and you do have thousands and thousands of positive reviews on there. Because I was looking at your Amazon page today and mm-hmm. every one of your books either has a couple of hundred or a couple of thousand reviews on them. And you're sitting at most of your books at about at least a four and a half to a five rating. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, thank you. My trilogy, Edge the World trilogy, which were the first books I've written, are like in the thousands and thousands of positive reviews. Yeah, that has got to be a great motivator. Yeah, it is. Boredom can be a great motivator, too. (laughs) Yeah, true. Now, did you start writing because you wanted to write the books that you wanted to read, or did you have a different motivation? Kind of both. After living in Montana, and I hung out with a lot of American Indians, when I was in the military, I saw this miniseries called Into the West. It was a six-part miniseries, and the first episode dealt with the fur trade, the mountain men, and that's how I got interested in the history of the fur trade. So... While I was in the military, and even when I got out, when I moved to Montana, I would read books of famous fur trappers like Jedediah Smith, Jim Bridger, Joe Meek, Edward Rose, John Coulter, William Bent. I would read a lot of novels that are set in the fur trade by authors such as John Lake, David Robbins, and W. Michael Gere. Just recently, I became a fan and befriended an author from Utah named Leonardo Winsky, who has written a series called the Grizzly Killer series, which is excellent. And that series alone motivated me to start writing my own books. All these authors I named have inspired me, but he's become like my main inspiration. Do you consider yourself an indie author or traditionally published? By indie author, do you mean by like self-published? Right. No, traditionally published. I tried self-publishing before. And never again. What's the publishing house that you're working with? Uh, Dusty Saddle Publishing. Since you didn't have a good experience as an indie author, how have you seen a change in going with Dusty Saddle? Because with indie author, you spend more money than you make. 
and you have to do all the editing yourself. And I don't have time doing the editing with Dusty Saddle. All I can do is just write, write, write. Once I complete it, I can submit it. And they do all the editing and they do all the promotions. And people need to realize that one thing I learned from other authors, such as Lane Rowinski, one advice that I was told is that you're not going to get rich being an author. True. So that was the first thing in the back of my mind. But at least I'm doing something that I love. I got plenty of time to do it. I just love doing what I'm doing. And the fact that I'm trying to write a historical fiction from the Native point of view also brings some peace to my soul. Yeah, I'm actually Cherokee, and I keep thinking about trying to pull more of my own heritage into it because the Westerns that I write are all set in the Kansas Territory, and it Mm -hmm. was after the Trail of Tears, so there is a large Cherokee nation that is just over the border. Right. I keep thinking I need to start bringing this more into my story, and part of me doesn't want to do that Mm -hmm. just because... I did not grow up on a reservation. I did not grow up in a Cherokee environment. My grandfather actually destroyed a lot of the paperwork that showed that we were natives because he was afraid of the government taking his children away. So I didn't even find out I was native until I was a teenager. And later on, when I tried to go join the community and learn more, I was not really accepted with open arms. When I went to school in Montana State, it was the exact opposite for me. I mean, I, I mostly hung around with a lot of American Indian friends, and mm-hmm. I wanted to learn about their people, their culture. I mostly decided to hang out with American Indians, and they welcomed me with open arms. So when I try to write, I try to write something that wouldn't offend them and that is truthful coming from their eyes. See, and I wish I'd had those kinds of experiences, but I was having a hard time connecting. I still keep in touch with a lot of my friends that I went to school with in Montana. A lot of them I still call family. I never wanted to leave Montana, but God had other plans for me. So I'm happy where I am right now. I with my cousins and living just about an hour away from my family in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of tough living far away from family. Yeah. For a lot of people, I know for me, you can't go wrong with family. I'm, I'm happy to say that. Not everybody's that fortunate. Yeah. And for me, you know, all of my family is on the other side of the planet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess that's one of the reasons why once you read my books and all my books, the characters, even the main characters grew up in a very strong family oriented environment where they're loved. They're close to their fathers, their parents. And the only reason why they leave is because leave to head west become trappers it's because situations beyond their control and when they go out and start having families of their own they become close not just to their wives but their in-laws as well because that's how i was raised my family on both sides of my family my mom's family and my dad's family were pretty close that's really interesting that you just made that connection because i'm thinking about the books that i've written and most of the families in my books are completely disconnected well, the stories I write take place before Manifest Destiny, before the settlers come, and before mm-hmm. the quote-unquote cowboys and Indians. All my stories take place during a time where the only non-Indians living out west was just the trappers. And all actuality, the trappers at least had respect for the tribes, mainly because they were outnumbered. As a whole, I'd say they made maximum 2% of the entire population from 1800 to the 1830s. 
that's actually before the time period of my Western series that I write. So I am not really familiar with a lot of the actual facts of that time period. Yeah, I did research. Now, what's amazing, like some of the most famous mountain men, such as Jim Bridger, Joe Walker, William Bent, Joe Meek, they all married Indian women. And a lot of them were in it for life. They would either take, send their children, their half white, half Indian children back east to be educated, or they would take their Indian families back east to the settlements to live with their families. And that was a quite a shock because of the racism that was normal back then. Mm-hmm. Interracial marriage wasn't, especially in the Southern states like Missouri, Tennessee, interracial marriage wasn't tolerated. And yet these guys, if they decide to move back east with their Indian families, they survived. The ones that decide to stay with their Indian families and assimilate themselves among the Indian tribes when the fur trade went belly up, those are the ones you never hear from again. And those are the ones that I usually write about. That's cool. So. so now, which one of your books is your favorite? I'd have to say my favorite book is my standalone novel, Where the Wind Takes You. And what's that one about? Basically, it's set in 1806 before Lewis and Clark returned to St. Louis. It's about a young man. He's German-Irish. His name is Isaiah Reinhardt. And he's from Beaufort, South Carolina. He's 16. And basically, a girl he was courting ends up getting pregnant by his older brother. He's obviously the opposite of happy. So he decides to leave home. He comes out west. He meets a French trapper named Jacques Ledoux and his Assiniboine son, Pierre. And they take Isaiah under his wing and teach him how to be a trapper. And long story short, Isaiah ends up having two wives, not by choice, mind you, <laughs> but it's, it's a good story. I have to say that's one of the reasons it's my favorite and it's the thickest one I've ever written about close to 260 pages. I've written most of my books are like less than 200 pages. So more novella size? Yeah, this one is a straight novel. What do you have coming up next? I just completed my eighth book for the publishing company. It's the fourth book of my series, The Saga of the Armstrong Brothers. It's called The Hunter's Dawn. And according to my publisher, it should be out by mid-February. Great, because this will be broadcast February 8th. So that will be just about the time people can start looking for it. And probably at the end of February, I'm going to start writing the fifth book in the series. And I I entitled it River of Dreams. The title itself was inspired by the song by Billy Joel, River of Dreams. Mm -hmm. But the story itself has nothing to do with the song. I just picked the title for it. Because basically the brothers and their families are going down the river, heading back to St. Louis in 1834. And... The Missouri River is a big river, so I haven't started writing anything yet, but I've already written down the synopsis, and I thought the title River of Dreams is a perfect title for the story I want to write. Are you a pantser or a plotter? I mean, do you plot out everything that you're going to do, or do you just write seat of your pants? Kind of both. When I want to write a story, I daydream at first. Mm-hmm. I, write it, I write down the synopsis. In my diary. And I thank my cousin Nate for this because he bought me a diary. And once I start writing, I take it like a chapter at a time. I just go with the flow. By the time I'm done, at minimum, I've written 1,200 words. 
the most I've ever written in one chapter was 3,000 words. Oh, not bad. Yeah. And I think that was on the last book I wrote. So about how uh, often do you publish? Yeah. How often? Oof. When I signed with Dusty Saddle Publishing, that was 2021. I published three books in 2021, four in 2022. And this book would be my first book this year. So is this all that you do or do you have another job as well? Um, I'm on disability. Is that from the military? Yeah. Like I said, I got plenty of time to write, so... (laughs) So now what is your favorite series that you have going? My favorite series right now is Saga of the Armstrong Brothers. That series is a continued series as of right now. And I like it because, and just to be honest, none of my books are for kids because of the violence. Mm-hmm. But what I like about the series of the Armstrong Brothers because how it was inspired. Like these brothers from Nantucket Island, Massachusetts. And I, I remember I was watching... In the Heart of the Sea, starring Chris Hemsworth, which was based on a true story about the sinking of the Essex, which inspired Moby Dick. Oh, yeah. Well, I did some research on that, and I decided to have these brothers, their late mother, be the fictional first cousin of the captain of the Essex. Oh, nice. The names are Enoch, Moses, and Elijah Armstrong. The oldest brother, Enoch, is good friends with the first mate, Owen Chase. So in the first book, which I entitled In the Heart of the West, basically their father died the same day the ship sunk. So when Owen Chase makes it back to Nantucket, Enoch decides to sell his father's business to Owen because the Hena brothers decide they're going to leave Nantucket for good because their mother's family basically treated their father and them like dirt because they believe their mother's family believes that she married below her standing. So it was the youngest brother, Elijah, who suggested that they head out west because he used to read a lot of stories about Lewis and Clark. So basically, the three brothers go out west. Once they land in um, St. Louis, they start meeting and hobnobbing with with future trappers who will be well-known among the fur trade, such as Jedi Smith, Hugh Glass, and Jim Bridger. Now, do you ever get to go out to any of the author signing events and the different conventions? I'm glad you asked because as of August of last year, I'm the newest member of the Western Writers of America Association. And this June, I'll be heading out to Rapid City, South Dakota for their annual convention. This will be the first time I've done that. Oh, nice. I've always wanted to go to that and I've never been able to get back to the United States for it. (laughs) Well, nowadays you got to be careful with, with the coronavirus that's going on. Yeah. And unfortunately, I'm one of those people that I have reduced immune system. So I have to be extra careful. So, but still, sometimes it's worth it. (laughs) I mean, you still got to live, right? Yeah. You can't live in fear. Okay. I want to do five quick questions with you. Try not to think about the answer too much. These are going to be really simple questions. All right. Question one, what is the first book you remember reading? Mm, the Bible. What is the last book you read? The last book I read was To Face a Savage Winter by John Legg. Who is your favorite author? <sighs> wow. <laughs> That's a tough one. Actually, I got three. Okay. Number one is Lane Rowensky. Number two is David Robbins. And number three is W. Michael Gere. Why do you like those three authors? 
Like I said, I have a lot of authors who have inspired me to write, but what I like about those three authors, I like a little romance and their stories have happy endings. Is there a book that you would like to read from? I could read the first book in the saga of the Armstrong Brothers in the Heart of the West. Chapter one, Goodbye Nantucket. The year is July 4th, 1821, Nantucket Island, Massachusetts. I'm sorry to hear about your father, said Owen Chase. The second mate of the Essex whaling ship had returned to Nantucket almost a month before, along with three survivors of the ill-fated whaling expedition. On November 20th, 1820, an 85-foot white sperm whale had sunk the ship off the coast of South America. That same day in Nantucket, former whaler turned harpoon seller Aaron Armstrong died from pneumonia. He was buried a few days later next to his beloved wife, Marion Pollard Armstrong, by their three sons, Enoch, Moses, and Elijah. Enoch Armstrong, now 21, was good friends with Owen Chase. They were walking to his father's blacksmith shop that he had taken over since the death of the family patriarch. I thank you for your condolence, Owen, said Enoch. I'm sorry that you had to go through that hell. Owen Chase just shrugged. Your cousin George is going to catch hell for this, he said, assuming he corroborates my side of the story about what happened that day on the Essex. George Parlett was the captain of the Essex and first cousin to Enoch's mother, Miriam. However, Miriam's parents had disowned her for marrying Aaron, who was an immigrant from England and was considered beneath their wealthy standing. As a result, the Armstrong brothers were not very close to their maternal grandparents or anyone on their mother's side of the family. Enoch, for one, had nothing but contempt for them, for how they treated his father. I could care less about George, he said. Either way, my brothers and I won't be here when he returns. Owen looked at his young friend. You sure about this, Enoch? There's nothing for us here anymore, said Enoch. With both my parents gone, all I have are my brothers, and they are my responsibility now. That is no reason to sell your father's shop and pack up and leave Nantucket, said Owen. This is your home. It never felt like it, Enoch protested. We were born here, yes, but we were always treated like outcasts, just because our father was not from here. Owen thought for a moment and empathized with his friend. While he didn't come from a wealthy family, he, like the Armstrong boys, was born in Nantucket, but he too was of lower class. He felt it was truly unfair how the Pollards treated that side of their family as if they were the black sheep. The duo stopped at the blacksmith shop that Enoch's father owned. As the eldest brother and now head of the family, Enoch proposed selling the shop to Owen Chase and his wife not long after the former's return to the island. While Chase was planning on writing about the Essex sinking and its aftermath for the local newspaper, he felt that his friend's blacksmith shop would be a good investment for his family, and Enoch felt that he would be doing him a favor by buying it. Where will you and your brothers go, asked Owen. Elijah has been reading about Lewis and Clark and their adventures out west, Enoch answered. I think west is where we will go. That's like half of chapter one. That's great. (laughs) I think that will give everybody a really good idea of your style. That's fantastic. Thank you. Much appreciated. What book would you recommend for somebody who's coming in new and has never read any of your books? What should they read first to really start bringing them into your catalog? I'd start with my first book, Edge of the World Trilogy, the first book, Chosen Path. Oh, perfect. I picked the right one for me to read. (laughs) And what is it about that book that you think makes it a good entry point to your catalog? Well, it kind of invites people in my psyche. I mean, 
I'm from Maryland and the, the main character is from Maryland and it's set during a time where it's like he's like an abolitionist. And also Edge of the World, the entire books itself is kind of personal for me because the character, Azariah Hancock, he avenges the brutal rape of his twin sister and he's forced to flee. For me, it was kind of personal because while I was in college, a friend of mine was a victim of that. And that has made me become an ally of the Me Too movement, creating the character of Azariah Hancock and writing the books of the Edge of the World trilogy is my way of letting women know out there that you have an ally. So it's not just an adventure story for men. Reading that book, not only will people get a good idea of your style, but they'll actually get a little bit of insight into you. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better. Is there anything that you wanted to add in for this that you think is important for our listeners to know about you? Just check out my books. And like I said, my, my newest novel and the saga of the Armstrong brothers will be out hopefully mid-February. And just be on the lookout. If you're a fan of Westerns that are set in the fur trade, and if you like books that are the native, the minority point of view, then these books are for you. Or historically accurate point of view, these books are for you then. I will be putting uh, contact information so that people can find you on the web with your publisher and Amazon. There'll be links in the podcast description so people can just click and go and find all of your information. Much appreciated. This has been so great. I'm glad we got to do this. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you.